I'm going in search of witches. Witches? Witches. I guess you found me out, huh? Yeah. You should come around here on Halloween. You'd really see something then. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we all jump off the roof and fly. You know, sort of like a coven. We were placed fester under some strange sexual spell. And what time will we be spellcasting? Hey there, witches, and welcome to Moonstone Witchery, the podcast where we talk about witchcraft and spirituality in a modern context. My name is Rian Lockard, and I am the head witch here at Moonstone Witchery, and I'm super excited to be talking with you today. Find me anywhere by searching for Moonstone Witchery literally everywhere. <laughs> okay, let's start talking about it. Um, so I want to talk about this thing today that I'm calling the sacred art of detachment. And this is a little complicated and a little bit um, meandering. So it's right there in my wheelhouse. As you know, I am both complicated and meandering. So let's dive in. Okay. Now, when I talk about detachment, um, I'm talking mostly to people who have a hard time with detachment. See, there's there's kind of um, two different relationships that can form with attachment. And I don't think I'll be touching on attachment theory, although now that I'm saying that, maybe I will. Um, I'm talking about detachment in kind of a different way. Um, there's either people who are very, very attached to um, their emotions or attached to the outcomes of things, um, or attached to the storyline that they are in in their life. Or there's people who are, um, maybe like the pendulum has swung a little farther the opposite direction for those people. And they are really in a space of like detachment and like maybe not having um, enough emotions or not really being present and interacting with life and not really... Um, getting their hands dirty, getting all up into their own world, their own story, their own existence. And so this is a duality thing that we're kind of discussing right in this moment. And what we're looking for is that sweet spot kind of in the middle. And this is like a really highly evolved spiritual concept. Um, a lot of the uh, podcast episodes I'm trying to record this season are like advanced. Uh, the first two that I did way back in April um, definitely fall in the advanced category for me. And um, this one does as well. Sidebar, you might hear my dogs um, start barking at some point. They are far away from me, but they might sound really loud. So, okay, detachment. Expectations kind of plays into this. So I want to define what expectations are. If you've ever done coaching with me, if you've ever done shadow work with me, if you've been um, one of my academy students, or probably if you've hung out around these parts on the podcast, I've talked about expectations. I know I have a TikTok about it. Uh, side note, if you want to make my day, please give me a follow on my TikTok because it is like my only social media presence that is like sad and like doesn't have a lot 
not happening. Okay, I'm trying to put up more TikToks, but like, it's weird over there. So expectations are an if-then statement. They go like this, like, if it is um, Friday, then we will get pizza, right? Because that's just an expectation you have for what Fridays is. Maybe that got ingrained in you as a child that Friday night is the night we order pizza, or maybe that's like an agreement you made with yourself or whatever. So if your expectation does not get met, if it is Friday and we've had some like really busy day and like then we have to go to like someone's birthday party and we don't really even feel like going but we have to for whatever social obligations we have and like it's at a Chinese place and like we don't get our pizza then we're like sad and feeling a loss somehow that the expectation wasn't fulfilled and this example is fairly benign right like most of us can be like I'm an adult I can have pizza on Thursday I can have pizza on Saturday really reality is fake and like I can have pizza whenever I want like sometimes I just think about how like these constructs that we live by are like completely fabricated like nothing is stopping you from just like running naked down your street right now except for social constructs and so like I find that interesting but we we often forget that like the all of our all of our life is governed by social constructs or like agreements that we've made with ourselves and like they're malleable and so part of this is um, a conversation about the detachment that I want to talk about but part of this is just like reminding you that like you're in charge of your life like you can make pizza night every night any every night if you want it you can make pizza night any day of the week that you want it to be like you are the authority of your own life and so that's a benign example um However, you know, it still creates an emotional response. Like, I still might be sad and bummed out that, like, I had to go to this party and I'm, like, going, uh, and, like, I didn't get my pizza. (laughs) So, like, I might wake up on Saturday all moody and not really know why, and it's because, like, my expectation wasn't fulfilled. And so imagine if we take this, like, very – tangible expectation that's very straightforward and then we look into it in a different way or we look into other ones that are maybe not so tangible or not so straightforward well then it becomes a little more complicated right like if we start making these expectations emotional now we're in a whole other world right like if I make my husband coffee then he will be happy because he knows I love him Like, that's littered with landmines, okay? First of all, like, (laughs) you're really tethering the results on an action that is unspoken. You are then setting yourself up to take it really personally if you make your husband coffee and he is not happy. And you've tied it into, like, your love of him and his reciprocal love of you, So if I make my husband coffee and he is happy, then fine, I win. If I make my husband coffee and he is not happy, it's a shitstorm. It's like a whole thing, okay? Why isn't he happy? I made him the coffee. Why why isn't he acting like he loves me? I just did the thing to show him that I love him. Why is my coffee not good enough? Why am I not good enough? Why is he never happy? Is he not happy in this relationship in general? Is everything doomed? Am I worthless? Am I like unlovable? It's like spirals like that. And it it does it in like a hot second. It does it like immediately. This is not helpful. This does not create an atmosphere that is like 
peaceful and joyful and calm and trusting and like all the things that we are presumably working towards in our life, having these kinds of expectations that are side note, expectations are almost always unspoken. They're also called silent contracts. Even that alone is like dangerous, right? Like it's like toxic in a way because, and by the way, I get a second sidebar, something can be toxic without the whole ass person being toxic. I kind of hate the word toxic at this point. I kind of feel like the word toxic is like overdone and it's kind of just like, um, it's like the word narcissist has become, it's like thrown around all over the place and it has such a bad rap about itself that someone's like, they called me toxic and it's like, sure, but like we are all toxic and we are all non-toxic, like we are all a blend of all the things and like some of us have toxic behaviors that were just taught to us because like maybe they even weren't toxic back in the day. Like maybe people didn't realize <clears throat> that they were toxic things um, as a whole, as a collective. Like our community, our society, our culture has been in an evolution just like we as people are on an evolution, just like we as people are like, whoa, let me like unpack my trauma and do better. Like our culture is like, whoa, let us unpack our trauma and do better. And like... <clears throat> This is a traumatized culture. It's a traumatized and traumatizing culture. It's bad. Like it's done some it's done some wrong back in the day. Like it is not all right and it's like trying now to unpack itself and do better. But in the midst of that it's going to still f things up or still have old residual things or like new things are going to come to light that we were like, hey, we thought we were doing the right thing by like banning girls from sports because science told us they were too fragile. But now science has been like, JK, no, everything's fine. And now we're realizing, oh, the thing we thought was helpful is actually really harmful to a whole half of the population. So we've got to adjust it. But then there's still people that are like, no, I still believe the old science or like, no, it doesn't benefit me to like allow women in sports. So blah, blah, blah. So it's like, as we are healing this cultural thing, as we are healing these these things that used to be all right but now are not, it's a process and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to have lingering doubt or we're going to have the naysayers, but we're going to have the people pushing it forward and it takes time and it takes education and it takes a bunch of things, right? The same thing is true with ourselves. Like we might have realized like, oh, I was like, really abused in childhood so then I was really abusive in early adulthood but now I'm no longer really abusive and as we go along on our self-work journey we start to realize well I'm no longer really abusive but I'm like turns out I'm like subtly abusive and then we fix that and then like we keep going along on that journey and we're like oh I'm like subliminally harmful to myself or like I stopped being harmful to others but now I'm like super mean to myself and like some of these things could be labored like toxic but like we are all a work in progress and I am tired of that word so f that word but what I'm saying to you is like a silent contract feels gross like it feels like a secret looming like presence in your room like you know how when like you know there's like a ghost somewhere and you can just kind of feel its presence like lurking around um that's what a silent contract is that's what an expectation's like and they're like relationships yo relationships are littered with expectations, aka silent contracts. They are like landfills full of silent contracts. 
the problem here is that like the things that are obvious to us are not obvious to other people. So it's like my mother might have trained me that like when when you wake up, like don't say good morning, like don't talk to anybody in the house because everyone's tired and cranky and like it's not normal to say like good morning or to have conversations in the morning because that might have been how she was. So I might have grown up and been like, yeah, who talks in the morning? It's so like gross. Like it's rude. It's actually disrespectful to talk in the morning because my mother might have been like, don't speak to me. You're not respecting me. Like I don't like the mornings, like blah, blah, blah. Right. And like that is not inherently a bad thing. That is just what is specific to her as a person. But I would have grown up thinking like, oh, it's normal to not talk to people in the morning. Well, if the person that I am in a relationship with grew up with a whole bunch of morning people and they are like, hey, good morning. What are your plans for the day? I think I'm going to go for a walk and I think I'll head up the farmer's market and then I think I'm going to run some errands and then like I got to get to the gym, blah, blah, blah. Like that's a very different atmosphere. So if I'm in a relationship and I am like conditioned to have it be an expectation, if it is the morning, then we do not talk. And they are in a relationship with me and they are conditioned to the opposite. If it is the morning, then we are like bright and cheerful. That is going to be a weird experience. It's very small relative to the whole um, scope of the relationship, but it's significant, right? Because if we both wake up and they are talking to me like, hey, good morning. Like, how did you sleep? What are you doing today? And I have never had a conversation in the morning really in my whole life. And I haven't evaluated this part of my life. I might be like, yo, like, why are you talking to me? It's so rude. And I'm going to come off and be like, I don't know what I'm doing today. And I'm not going to say anything else because I'm like, ew, you're breaking this subtle contract, this code and like feels bad to me. They are going to receive my like, response and be like, ew, you are breaking this subtle code. You are not chipper and sharing your plans with me. I feel disconnected and sad. And I'm going to feel like, ew, you are breaking this code. You are not respecting my silence. And I feel like steamrolled and offended. And now there's like this weird AF vibe lurking around. And it's just because like, we've never had the conversation like, hey, do you talk in the morning or do you not? And this is like an an example that I just literally made up off the top of my head. This isn't some like common thing or something. This is just like a, a random example. Relationships have these all over the place. Okay. Like I remember like way back in the day. Okay. And like I'm old, so whatevs, but but I had a car, my first car. It didn't have automatic locks, okay? Like we, that, like we were not living in the future. We were living in the present. <laughs> we didn't have automatic locks in my first car. It was that scene where I would get in the car and I would have to lean over and unlock the door for my friends. And um, there was a whole relationship in which like <clears throat> I was with somebody who would get in the car and then like organize their themselves and like turn the car on and then lean over and like, unlock the door and I was like very offended by this because I was like the first thing you do if you're with somebody is you lean over and you unlock the door it's respect and I don't know if it is or isn't but that was one of my first encounters with being like what the actual f you know like you are not fulfilling the contract if you are with me and I am with you and you have to unlock the door like either a 10,000 gold stars and you stop and take your key out and unlock my door before you even get into the car, which BC dubs is the standard I would hold somebody to now. Um, but B like at very minimum lean over immediately and unlock my door. And for me, this goes back to like, I want to feel respected 
um, in your presence. And I want to feel like you are prioritizing like my safety and my inclusion with what you're doing and like my needs and whatever. And so this is a silent contract though, because like whatever dude I was dating at that time was, this was like a billion years ago. Um, I had to be like, Hey, uh, could you possibly like unlock my door sooner? And of course, like they were like, Ugh, it's not that big of a deal. Like <laughs> you like my like Valley girl dude voice. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> it's like, who was I dating? Um, but seriously, like this annoyed them and whatever and that speaks more to like them and their ability to receive feedback than it does anything else but my point here is like there are so many of these in relationships and we have harmonious relationships just by default with people who have similar conditioning to us but this can be a problem if we are entering into relationships when we're like very unhealed and then we start doing a lot of self-work and like healing but they like don't have that interest and they're not doing that because then as we start to heal and evolve we like change and like we start finding our um, expectations in our contracts we start healing them we start being like do I even care about this thing we start asking ourselves questions like maybe I like talking in the morning though like who chose this for me? And then we realize, oh, my mom chose this for me. Well, if I was choosing for myself, what would I choose? And then we like experiment with it and be like, I'm going to see if I'm pleasant tomorrow morning. And when my partner asks me like, hey, how are you? Like, I'm going to try to feel actually how I feel instead of like running that program that says be offended. Because like a lot of the times, like these are just programs that get initiated. Like our brains are so advanced that we're kind of like these like really advanced computers, which I know I've said here like a bazillion times. And so like <clears throat> we can pause those programs from like their initiation like we can we can be like oh just kidding like backspace or like close tab or like whatever and we can be like how do I actually feel in this moment and so when you're starting to do self-work you start to have those conversations with yourself and you start to make changes but if you were with someone who you were compatible with at first because you have similar like default conditioning programmings or similar expectation schemas then like as yours change and theirs don't like incompatibility starts to kind of like become cultivated a little bit and that's just like an interesting side note and it's important this is where communication becomes important because it's good for you to keep your partner in the loop about the realizations that you're having and the things that are going on with you and the ways in which you're changing because <clears throat> they need to know these things so that they don't take it personally because then like enter in another subtle expectation that we didn't expect. Like if I start like changing a habit of mine or changing a response of mine, they might be like, why is, why is she different? What happened? Is she like seeing somebody else and they made her different? Does she like no longer love me? And that's why we don't share this point of view anymore. Has she judged me? Like, th like their brains can go off on this whole thing onto itself. Whereas like maybe I was just doing self-work, but I wasn't keeping them in the loop, you know? So about attachments, sometimes we get really attached to these expectations. Like we really believe that they are factual or we really believe that they are the truth or we really believe that that's how the world works. And I call this believing ourselves too hard. So like whenever I encounter someone who's like really in their story and can't kind of pop up into the observer, I am very much like, oh, this person just believes themselves too hard. And this is kind of the part of the podcast episode where I get like a little bit meatier, juicier. So 
what I really want us to cultivate for our spiritual paths is um, the ability to recognize and enter into the observer. And what I mean by that is like that version of ourselves that both is aware that we are ourselves, but we are also not ourselves. It's like the higher self. It's like the spiritual part of ourselves. The observer is the version of ourselves. It's kind of like watching and evaluating our life, but it's like not attached to it. It's like, oh yeah, like the human called Rian is down there like doing her little thing and like, let's watch her be distracted. Isn't that cute? And like, let's watch her remember what she's supposed to be doing. And oh yeah, she's making an effort and let's watch her snuggle with the dogs and like whatever. And it's kind of just observing because it is the observer. And the observer is the one that's like, don't worry, like everything's going to be okay. You are not this body. You are not this self. Now I like, I'm describing a high level um, awareness of the observer. Um, and this is one of the areas that admittedly, I think that I've been doing this work for so long that it's hard for me to, um, teach this because it is so second nature for me. Um, so I'm going to try to like narrate this in a way that like someone newer to this thought can kind of relate to. But if you have questions about this, hit me up somehow, like find me on a platform or like email me at headwitch at moonstonewitchery.com. Um, so the observer is the higher self. This is the place that I live like all the time. I am just very adept and adept at um, maintaining a bigger picture. The observer doesn't get so attached to the momentary operations of life. The observer is very aware of the big picture flow of things, of how one thing feeds into another and feeds into another, and that ultimately things kind of have a way of working themselves out. The observer is the one that, and you know, a co-opted phrase that's based on the observer that annoys me, but I'm going to use it right now anyway, is like everything happens for a reason. Like full stop, don't believe that. I don't agree with that. I don't endorse that sentence, but that's a, probably a conversation for another day, or maybe that's a conversation I had on a previous day with you. But the observer is the one that's like, <clears throat> it's going to be all right. Like don't freak out. The observer is the one that is like, you can accomplish things. The observer is the one that is like, is it really worth it to get all mad about this situation that's happening? Because the observer is aware of the fact that life is fluid. The fluidity of being human, the fluidity of experience, the fluidity of emotion. See if, like my son, let's talk about my son for a second. My son gets really, um, he believes himself really hard, but he's really young. So of course he does. But He's very much like, if you said we are going to this place at 12 o'clock, we better be in the car on our way to that place at 12 o'clock. And he has me as a mother, right? And I don't know what time it is, okay? I could be looking at a clock. And in fact, I am looking at a clock. And I don't know what time it is because I happen to know that the clock that I am currently looking at is some amount of minutes fast. Is it three minutes fast? Is it four minutes fast? I don't know. I will literally never know, right? So like even when I look at a clock, I am still like not knowing what time it is, okay? So <clears throat> when I say 12 o'clock, I mean around 12 o'clock. And that is an expectation. That is a silent contract. I have this belief that like if I say 12 o'clock, that the people who are close to me realize that like it's a it's an approximation. It's, <laughs> it's like, and I try. I try to know what time it is. I try to stick to my times, but my brain's not really wired like that. Okay. And so, but my son is very like 
12. 12 is time. It is a point in, in time and space. And I will be in the car, right? <clears throat> and so when that happens, and this is only inapplicable in situations where he wants to be doing whatever the thing is at 12 o'clock, by the way, because if he does not want to be doing the thing that is supposed to happen at 12 o'clock, he will not be in that vehicle at 12 o'clock. I'll just say that part. So if I if someone tells me we're going to go to that thing at 12 o'clock, and it's like 12.05. I am at peace. I'm like, okay, hey, I'll be leaving soon. All right, cool. Just let me know when you're ready and I'll put my shoes on. <clears throat> I am not stressed out about this. If someone tells my son that and it is 12.05, he is furious. It is not 12 anymore. It is 12.05. <clears throat> and he is so upset because he is attached to the circumstance being very precise. And in his mind... If those precise criteria are not met, it feels unstable and unsafe and it is not what he was expecting and it is not what he had planned in his mind and now he is stressed the F out. If you know a person in your life who really gets attached to sequences of events or maybe you are a person in your life that's very attached to things working out, you're probably going to have a hard time, like a harder time in life because very often there are so many factors that come into play as to whether things work out or they don't, that I really almost think we have to, especially as our culture evolves, I really almost think that we have to become more comfortable adjusting. And this can be really, 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 really hard for people. For other people, it's really super easy, right? But for some people, this is really hard because they really um, are attached to the idea of if this was said, then this must be done. And if it was said in this way, it must be done in this way. There are so many mitigating factors that contribute to the way that things actually end up happening and being implemented that um, I don't know that it serves our highest purpose to be super rigid ab about what is said versus what is actually able to be done. And so it's important to try to have a fluidity about yourself. And this pertains, by the way, directly to witchcraft. And I do want to talk about this in a second, but I just want to continue laying some foundation here. Um, another place where people get really attached is like in their emotional way, like their emotional world, their emotional situations, their emotional circumstances. Um, we can tend to really believe our feelings way too hard. If I am having, if I'm hungry and I'm driving, I'm going to have a cranky ride. If I'm hungry and I'm like having a hard conversation with somebody, it's probably not going to go so well. If I am having some kind of situation unfold in my relationship or in a friendship with somebody and my expectation is like, if we are close, then you will tell me about your promotion at work and they don't tell me immediately about their promotion at work, and it hurts my feelings. Now I'm in a story that isn't actually about the promotion at work. Now I'm in a story that is about you don't really value me as your friend, and I feel unvalued and unloved. But that's not the those aren't the words I'm going to be using in that conversation. See, in that conversation, if I choose to have the conversation rather than stuff it down inside somewhere, which is a whole other thing, but in that conversation, I'm going to be like, I can't believe you didn't tell me about your promotion. And my tone's going to be like that. I can't believe you didn't tell me. What I'm really saying right there is like, I thought you loved me. What the fuck? What they're hearing is, I can't believe you didn't tell me about my promotion, about your promotion. And they're like, 
Uh, why? like it's not that big of a deal. Like I didn't have a chance to tell you. I've been working all day, and then like I came to meet you here at dinner. Like, and then I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, but you could have texted me. I mean, it's like a really big deal. I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of like really surprised that you didn't text me and tell me about it. And they're over there like, this is so odd because in their expectation schema, like it for whatever reason, it was no big deal. And I'm not saying if they're right or wrong, I don't know. But what I am saying is like in their world, it was no big deal. They are not correlating telling me about their promotion with how much they love me. I'm correlating that and I'm having that response. But they are just like, I'm super confused, right? But they don't say that either. So I'm over here saying, you clearly don't love me or value me. And they're over there saying, what the hell is happening right now? I'm super confused. But neither of us are actually saying those words. What I'm saying is, you really easily could have, I mean, I think if it was important, you would have told me. So I'm really not understanding. Like, it's just weird. You know, I mean, like, just whatever. We can just forget it. It's kind of weird, right? And then they're like, um, I mean, I guess we can forget it, but it kind of seems like a big deal. And I'm feeling a little, like, weird now. Like, I thought we were going to have a nice dinner. And now I've, everything, like, the vibe feels gross. And, like, I'm just, like, really thrown off. It's kind of, like, really, like, killing my day. And then it goes from there. It's me being like, well, I mean, I'm not trying to kill your day. I just was surprised. Like, I just want to be happy for you. Like, can I just be happy for you? And they're kind of like, well, then maybe you could have been happy for me because I came in here excited about the promotion and now I just kind of want to go home. And now it's like this whole thing, right? And But if I had just been like, hey, um, when you don't tell me about these important things that like I thought you were going to tell me right away because we had had an XYZ conversation earlier and blah, 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 blah then I don't, I feel like you don't love me because you didn't tell me and I'm sad. That gives them a chance to be like, oh my God, no, I love you. I just got so distracted at work. And honestly, I wanted to see the look on your face because I knew you were going to be so happy for me that I was like actually excited to tell you in person because you're like my biggest supporter. And like, I wanted to see you smile when like, I finally got this permission because you've helped me so much. Like, do you see how different that conversation could have gone <clears throat> if one person was just actually telling the truth? Regardless, so in believing ourselves too hard, if I start getting all like butthurt because someone doesn't tell me a thing that I think that they should tell me and I believe myself so hard, I can't make room for their perspective. I am so attached to my story. I'm so attached to this interpretation that I have. I'm so like, and then I'm like calling my mom or like my other friends and I'm like, and then she didn't even tell me about the promotion. And they're like, what? After everything? And I'm like, yeah, right? And then I seek out people who reinforce my attachment to my pain and my story because I'm believing myself too hard. This is where detaching is so important. I need us to detach from our immediate um, interpretation of things, especially when they're harmful. I need us to detach from our immediate interpretation of things being a fact. You might have heard me, because I know I've said this previously, talk about our emotions <clears throat> and how like the energy, right? The essence of who we are, the innate presence called you, the innate flavor of you. If you've ever had a past life regression and you like, ran into somebody in that regression and you knew you knew them from a different life, even though they looked incredibly different, 
You're picking up on that flavor, that essence of them. Like you knew it was your current husband in this past life, but he didn't look like himself and he wasn't your husband, but you just knew it was him. That's because that's his like signature scent that you're picking up on. That's his essence. That's his energy. That's him. When you are able to be in the observer, you are able to hold that space of being that essence, that energy, that flavor of yourself. And that essence, that energy, that flavor of you, that's the sky. Okay. Visualize that as being the sky. The sky is always there. The sky is always the sky. It's there. Your emotions are transient. They're fluid. They're temporary. Your emotions are the weather. They are the clouds. So a heated conversation over dinner celebrating a promotion is like a little storm blowing through. But it's not the essence of you. That storm is a storm. It's situational. It's circumstantial. It has a lot of factors that contributed to making it just like real weather does. The circumstances have to be right. Maybe I had a rough day myself that day. Maybe I got rejected on a dating app or something. I don't know, making things up now earlier. Maybe I um, was listening to a podcast and I was like contemplating myself and I was like taking the wrong message from it or taking the right message from it. I was feeling kind of weird about myself. Maybe one of my old friends told me I had been a bad friend to that. Like who knows what contributed to like my emotional status when I go to that dinner and I find out my friend got promoted. But just like the weather has to be aligned to create a storm. So does my emotional atmosphere have to be aligned for me to have some kind of negative reaction to something. And a lot of times those factors have really nothing to do with the current thing in front of my face at that very moment. Some of them might be really, really old, like um, that feeling of being unvalued or unworthy, like no one ever tells me things. I'm always blessed to know. That could be an ancient story that I always have had about myself that my poor innocent friend has no idea about. Some of them might be new, like I said, the things that had happened to me that day. Some of them might be based on my like inherent insecurities. Like um, I found out like that I, I have a hard time with communication and people don't feel comfortable talking to me or something and it's something I'm working on in therapy and like here it is presenting itself in my face. Like there's so many different things that could contribute to the storm of that argument. And a lot of them aren't even in the present moment. Many of them might not even be real. They might just be my perception Many of them are are not facts. In fact, I really don't think there's a lot of things um, that are facts about um, social interactions or emotions or perception even. You know, if perception is reality um, and there's 7 billion people on the planet, we have 7 billion different realities happening. And I'm not even talking about all the parallel universes that are like rapidly merging with us at this state and time, right? So like, <clears throat> you are the sky, but your emotions are the weather. But guess what the weather does? It changes. And it changes quickly. And it changes in big ways. And sometimes it's really nice and pleasant. And sometimes it's really tumultuous. And sometimes it's cold. And sometimes it's hot. And like sometimes it's weird. And sometimes there's a rainbow. Sometimes there's a hailstorm. The weather is not to be believed as permanent. You know, it starts raining at your house and you're not like, great, it's going to rain forever. <laughs> but we, like, we know that it'll stop raining at some point. But 
when we have an argument with someone important in our lives and we feel bad, we're like, guess I'm going to always feel this way. This has ruined everything forever. Or we get so attached to how we feel in that moment that we can't imagine feeling differently. And that's the part that's bad or harmful to ourselves and potentially harmful to our friends. That's the part that I need you to pop out of that moment and to remind yourself of the sky because the weather is not permanent. Your emotions are not permanent. Anything that can be influenced with like helpful information or additional insight or by seeing another person, it's not permanent. But it fe- maybe it feels permanent. Maybe in those moments, it feels like it's going to rain forever. And we can be really disappointed that it's raining. We can be super sad that it's raining because we wanted to play soccer. But And that's valid. It's valid to be upset about the weather. There's no part of me that's trying to gaslight you out of like having your emotions. It is valid to you. In fact, you can't avoid it. We can't avoid the weather. We can wear a coat. We can stand inside. We can like have an umbrella, but we can't change the weather. So what I just described is like, you can use your coping skills, you can have perspective, you can like sit with yourself and process your feelings, but you can't change the fact that you're having the feelings, nor should you. Your feelings are always valid. There is a difference though between something being valid and something being a fact. There is a difference between something being valid and something being like objectively, permanently correct. Your feelings can be valid due to the list of circumstances that created those feelings, your upbringing, the day that you're having, the way that you have been traumatized, the things that have happened in the past, the conversations that you've had with this person, like the expectations that you were holding, um, the, the, the clarified like boundaries that you might have had with them, the, the conversations and agreements that you've made with that person. Like your feelings can be very valid based on any plethora of mitigating factors that contribute to why you're feeling the way you're feeling. There is validity there, but validity means it is understandable and it makes sense. Validity doesn't mean it's a fact. It is not a fact that my friend in this very hypothetical invented argument that I'm having with them does not love or value me because they did not tell me about their promotion. In fact, we had a spoiler alert when we did like the like mock conversation where everybody told their real truth and we found out that they actually, because they value and love me so much, they wanted to tell me in person. That's like love right there. But I, if I don't have like that true conversation, I miss how much they actually loved me because I've interpreted and believed myself so hard. I believed my interpretation so much that now I've convinced myself that they don't love me and it's a storm and it's bad. And like me being in that storm contributes to the atmosphere around me and it perpetuates the storm and it actually keeps the storm going for even longer and longer and longer. See, if I can just observe the storm the storm floats on by me. I can be like, yes, it's storming, validating my feelings. I can be like, I will protect myself from this storm by wearing my raincoat. Okay. Using my skills, being evolved, like positive self change. And I can sit and observe the storm and process it and wait for it to go. And then it rolls on through. 
But if I get really in the storm and I decide to go out there and yell at the sky and like start freaking out, well, now I'm having an impact on the atmosphere and I'm creating this cyclone situation that keeps the storm trapped around me. And then there's one place in my world that it's always storming, even though it doesn't have to be that way. And this is how we get stuck in our own wounds. We are attached to them too much. We believe them too hard. We often believe ourselves too much. We believe ourselves too hard. And it makes our lives more challenging for us because the things we often believe ourselves too hard about are pain, pain points, deficiencies or perceived deficiencies, areas where we're defective or not doing good enough, places that we judge ourselves or feel judged by others. We believe ourselves so hard in the pain points and the negativity because we are still fundamentally hardwired to like be on alert for risks and all that kind of stuff. But did you ever get stuck in a storm where you think you're like the best? <laughs> like normal people who are like, don't you know, well, I'm not going to say that part, but like normal people don't really get stuck. Like I am so overjoyed right now. Everything's coming up roses. Like, you know, like it's not, we don't get stuck in those places. We don't believe the sunny weather too hard very often. And there are some people who do that, and that's a little bit um, challenging as well because with those people, um, you can't get them to validate, like, real reality for others because, like, they're so afraid of, of validating the, the storms because they're so afraid that if they pay any attention to the storms, the storms will stick there, that they, like, have this, like, one patch of sun that they stand in in their world, and it's, like, surrounded by looming storms, and they're afraid to go outside of them. <laughs> but regardless... I hope that you can see what I'm talking about here, which is like when we believe ourselves too hard, what we're not doing is trusting in the ever-present, ever-beautiful, ever-still, peaceful and aware um, backdrop of the sky. And living in a place where we know that the sky is always there behind whatever weather is happening is, is a sense of living in peace. And really, it's a place of living in radical self-trust. Because I can now, in my stage of life that I'm currently living in, I can know I'm mad about this thing. I'm going to be mad about it for like 25 minutes. And then like I'll return to normal and be myself again. And like I will narrate that to the people in my life. Like I'll be like, listen, I'm going to be mad for about half an hour. I'll check back in with you then, <laughs> right? Because I know that I am the sky, I don't believe myself so hard and that is the most liberating and freeing and amazing thing ever. There is a lot of um, spiritual teaching about what I'm trying to talk to you about. In fact, one would argue that the entire religion of Taoism is kind of based on this experience. Taoism is all about being in the flow and being in the Tao and honoring that um, to just be and to exist and to observe and to like watch is like very, very helpful. To detach from the fray of human experiences that are chaotic or unhelpful is to be in an elevated space. To not get all worked up about things upon which we have no control. Because in the example I gave, like that's a very personal example, but if I'm running late somewhere and there is an accident and there is a lot of traffic, why am I going to get mad about that? Like, dude, I'm literally not because there's actually nothing I can do. 
If I am waiting at the doctor's office and the lady at the desk is like super hostile and like the whole office is running behind, I am not going to get mad about that because like I cannot influence that reality. I don't care. I'm just going to be like, all right, cool. Well, now I can catch up on my emails. The ability to be unfazed by things outside of your control is an elevated way of living your life. It is an ascension thing. It is an awakened thing. It is a higher level place that I want you to ask yourself to get to. I want you to be able to take things less personally. I want you to be able to have or witness experiences around you and to just be like, meh, it's going to be fine whatever, because we are not in charge of so many things. And yet so many of us lose like entire lifetimes to trying to be in charge of things that like we literally can't control anyway. Okay. And so instead of teaching us a bunch of life hacks about how to like control the world around us, like I want to say to you, like, what if you just stop trying to control things? Like, what if you accept the flow of the universe? Like, what if you just be like, okay, I'm sure it'll be fine. What if you'd be like, wow, that lady's super rude. She must be having a horrible day. Or, and then even better, the next most elevated step of that is like, oh, okay, that lady just is that lady. That is how that lady is. How do I work with it? How do I still meet my goals and work with this lady? Because every time you are taken out of your peace by something else, you are being distracted, you are being diverted, you are like anchoring way too hard into a bunch of things that aren't facts. And I want you to be able to elevate. I want you to be able to ascend that. I want you to be able to be like above that and like watching it and being like, whatever, this is to, like, this has nothing to do with me. And it has everything to just do with like whatever's happening around me. And if you can hold that space, you as the observer can watch energy move BT dubs. And that's a real fun game to play with yourself. You can watch energy move around in the world around you. And if you really get clever and if you really get confident and you really get comfortable in yourself, you can watch a whole ass situation unfold and be like, I bet this is going to work out in X, Y, Z way. And then you just watch as it happens because it does. There is so much to be said to stop believing yourself so hard. And when you stop believing yourself so hard, you stop believing this reality that we're in so hard. And then you're just like, oh my God, this whole place is like bananas. Like what are the producers of this show even doing, right? Like you get to like really be amused by how ridiculous this world actually is. But you also get to feel kind of calm. Like you're not going to be in danger or at risk or at a deficit or like, all messed up like no one can touch you when you are not attached so hard to things being any type of way the only thing I want you to be attached hard to is like who am I as a person what kind of life am I trying to live like what are what are my things that are important to me can I operate from those places like my things that are important to myself are like um compassion communication um like a studious you know disposition like a curious disposition um curiosity will help you quite a bit when you are working on detachment um being loving um leaving things more positive if possible but i i i do that based on my own compass not on the external feedback that i'm receiving from anything
See, this is the kind of the flaw that a lot of us um, sort of have, and it's not our fault. It's just like seems normal, but it's actually like working against us. Like if you're judging your success in life by like the external like influence that you're like the external feedback that you're getting, like you're going to be upset because who the hell knows? Detach from that. That doesn't have to matter. Like, are you satisfied with what you're doing? Did you act in alignment with what you wanted to do? Did you check your own boxes, your own criteria for success? Because if so, like you're good, baby, and like everything else can work itself out around you. And that is how it works. We want to be in the flow. We do not want to be um, struggling against the flow. And one of the only ways we can be in the flow is to observe the flow and to just get on board and be like, hey, like I know it's like we're late and we're kind of lost, but like we'll figure it out. Like, Let's ask our guides for help. Let's like ask our intuition to guide us. Let's like do the things that we want to do here. Let's have a good time being lost. Have you ever been with a person who refuses to let like negative things like mess them up? Like they're great. Like it's great to be with those people. But then conversely, we've been with people who have like gotten all messed up over the smallest inconvenience and it's like so exhausting and it's hard. And most of us will fall somewhere in the in-between of that. And there's flaws to being on either extreme for sure. But like, I really want to talk about like, let's detach from things X meaning Y or A meaning B. Like if this happens, then it's a commentary on me as a person. Like maybe it's not. A curious mind will get you very, very far. And a curious mind is the best way to have detachment. Because a curious mind says to you, like, maybe I don't know everything here. Maybe the immediate way that I interpreted this situation is just one point of view. And maybe I can seek to discover another way of looking at it. And then a curious mind would be like, hey, I'm so happy you got promoted. That's so exciting. Just like, I would have thought you would have texted me. And then my friend gets to be like, oh, I know. I really wanted to. It was so hard for me not to text you all day. But I just wanted to tell you in person. I wanted to see your face. And then I get to be like, oh my God, okay, well, that's super nice. Like, yeah, I felt so fucked up for a second, but that's like what you just said. It's like actually really sweet, okay? A curious mind allows us to question ourselves and to stop believing ourselves so hard. I have this great quote that is um, from Lao Tzu, which is a, um, it's a Taoism quote, and I'm going to um, read it to you right now because it's like totally about this. Okay, so it says... Life is a series of natural and spontaneous changes. Don't resist them. That only creates sorrow. Let reality be reality. Let things flow naturally forward in whatever way they need. So life is a series of natural and spontaneous changes. Don't resist them. That only creates sorrow. So if it's saying it, the premise is like life is a series of natural and spontaneous changes. Like life is about changes that are spontaneously going to happen. Don't resist this. You're resisting the the nature of being alive if you're resisting these natural spontaneous changes. The resistance only creates sorrow for you. This is a commentary on expectations. If I expect everything to be smooth and it's not, I'm going to be all effed up and upset. Then it says, let reality be reality. Let reality be reality. Like, yo, that could be a whole 45-minute conversation. Let reality be reality. Let's live in what is happening, not what should be happening, not what did happen. Let reality be reality. Reality just is, okay? Let things flow naturally forward in whatever way they need to. Let things flow naturally forward in whatever way they need to. 
whatever way they need to. Neither you nor I know what, what the F is supposed to happen with somebody or something else. We don't know. We gotta let things go however they need to go. It is not my job nor my inclination to get all up in the business of running the universe or any other situation. I am exhausted by my own life. But we resist how things are going for others so much because we are concerned about the impact it's going to have on ourselves or what commentary it's making on ourselves. And this creates a lot of disharmony and stress and hardship and anxiety for ourselves. This is why detachment is so helpful. If I can allow the world to just be what it is, then I am like living in a state of peace so much more often than if I am resisting and trying to influence and change a whole bunch of things. This isn't to say like, don't change the world. Clearly I'm here. I'm like, let's change the effing world let's change the mother effing world let's do it like witches unite like lift up your brooms like let's fucking change the world but I'm not I'm not trying to say that in like what I'm trying to say is like on the small everyday scale where like your little like feelings kind of get pinged or I don't know like just try so much to allow things to flow we can't control the traffic. We can't control the lady at the desk, okay? We can't control those things. Reality is reality, even if we think it should be something else. And the way this directly feeds your witchcraft is by like detaching from the outcome of your spells, having to go in a certain direction. Because a lot of times people will do spells, especially when they first start getting into spell work, and they're like, I need to manifest $4,563. <laughs> And like, or like, I need to manifest this specific promotion. And I'm very much like, well, if you're too strict about the outcome, your spell is going to be way harder to manifest. It's going to take a lot longer. But if you can anchor into like, I want to feel like I have a job that I love. Cool. That's something we can manifest immediately. Might look real different than you think. You might get a job offer for something you had never considered. But I guarantee you, if you take that job, you're going to feel the way you want to feel in your job. See, people think they know what they want. People think they know that if in order to be happy, I have to have this job title. And it's like, who said that? You don't know. You don't know who your boss is going to be over there and what they're like. You don't know what your coworker is going to be like. You don't know what that drive is going to be like. You might hate that job. You might think you like it because of the title. You might have been told that that title will bring you happiness. That's an expectation. If I have this job title, then I will be happy. Who said Okay, if you just manifest based on the feeling that you are trying to call forth, and I know I did a whole episode about this, um, it's called Deconstructing the Law of Attraction. Um, if you can manifest based on that, and that's where I talked about the sky thing too, you can say to yourself like, oh, what I actually want is to feel fulfilled in my job. What I actually want is to feel um, happy in my life. Like, hey, universe, bring me a job that'll make me feel fulfilled, happy, and still be financially, like, sustaining for me. Done and done. But if I'm like, hey, universe, I need a dog grooming business, and I really want it to be on the corner of this street and that street because I know that building is vacant, so, like, make it happen. When we get way, way specific, it makes it a lot harder for the universe because, yo, we don't know what we don't know, okay? We don't know who else is manifesting that building. <laughs> we don't know what's going on with that landlord. We don't know if that, like, we don't know a lot of things, okay? We don't know what the sewer system's like and how that might, they might be having some battle with the township that's got everything all tied up. And, like, maybe the universe is like, yo, you do not want that building. We know what's happening with that building. You don't want that building. I know it looks pretty, but you don't want that building. But then we're like, I only will be, ha I'm going to do 20 spells and I'm going to get that building. Universe will eventually be like, yo, here's the building, but good luck to you. Manifest based on what you're trying to call forth. 
And honestly, like the more you practice being in a state of detachment, like healthy detachment and like observing, the more you're kind of like, I don't really need to do anything about this. Like everything's going to be all right because you have that inner peace that you're carrying with yourself where you're not so um, destroyed by outcomes. Your whole sense of well-being is not so tethered in like what's tangibly happening around you because you are so much more okay with being okay. And that's the thing that we all have to work on. It's like, what is our interpersonal relationship with feeling okay? Do we know how to feel safe? Do we know how to feel all right? Do we know how to trust ourselves in the universe? Like, do we know how to be okay? And many of us don't. And that's a great spot to start working because like many of us have been so conditioned to always have a storm happening because at least something's going on. And like, I want to practice being like, isn't it nice to just sit and be calm? I want to practice like, hey, you're allowed to feel secure and happy and all right. And you don't have to like panic, create situations for yourself to deal with because you're scared and you don't know how to be all right. Some of us are very uncomfortable being okay because we don't have any experience with it. And we think we're looking for it. We think we're longing for it. But we keep creating cyclones of weather around ourselves and it's not helpful. Detaching allows us to let a storm just be a storm. It allows us to watch what other people are going on, like people are doing or what's going on with other people. It allows us to just observe and to pay attention. It allows us to validate but to not be so deeply like linked to. And that is freedom. Freedom is like accepting your true self. Freedom is knowing that you are going to be all right, that you are not able to be judged by external circumstances. And that what matters the most is your inner presence with yourself and how you carry yourself through your life. And if you are aligning with your own idea of what success means. So practice like stepping out, you know, let your feelings run their course. But then when you are so sure about your interpretation of something, I'd like you to step back into the observer and be like, are there other perspectives? Can I detach from this being a fact? Can I explore this with curiosity? All right, I am running out of time, so I will let you all go. Thank you for coming and listening to my podcast today. Um, come join me on Facebook in my gigantic Facebook group called Moonstone Wishery. I would love to have you there. Go give me a follow on TikTok, friends, and um, hit me up. Come be with me and learn with me in the Witchcraft Academy where we constantly talk about stuff like this and work on this stuff together, and it is a bomb-ass little place on the internet. I love you guys, and I will talk to you soon.